The Start On Demand. On demand. Many Canadians might be thinking about getting on a plane because some big changes are coming for travelers as it pertains to testing requirements. Also today, as of this morning, the border was still closed at Emerson, but RCMP say that blockade is coming to an end today. Also on the protest front, we get the latest from Ottawa, including some reaction to the Emergencies Act. Also today, we spoke to Winnipeg legend Randy Backman. And we had a blast talking about the things that we get excited about or once got excited about receiving in the mail. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. This is the Wednesday, February 16th podcast for The Start. Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. I was going to start by talking Emerson, but um, that's the first I've actually looked at the forecast or listened to the forecast. Minus 35 tonight. Like, Great. Loren, yesterday you said you're a hardy man at Tobin, but you're about done. Um, oh, yeah. I'm like, I'm you. at the point. I'm at the point, too, with the, like, not necessarily even with the cold. I was about to say, oh, that sounds nice out there when you said it, it feels like minus 18, but then you're dropping the bomb of minus 35 tonight. I'm at the point in the winter where, <clears throat> my husband went out to shovel last night and I said, why? And he's like, because there's more <laughs> snow. I'm like, yeah, I know. But I mean, I don't know. I think we've done our part. And I think now we just drive over it. You know, like that's where I'm at looking at it in the driveway. Let's just create that lumpy, bumpy roller coaster driveway. Cause I, yeah, I get it. The farmers still need more snow. I, I understand, but it's been a daily thing where you're shoveling and it's a daily thing where I look out the window and think, should I hit the roads today? Right, because it starts to blow when you look outside, you have no visibility. And then I was in the city yesterday, Greg, and man, I was slipping and sliding all over the place. And I just, I'm just done with that portion of the winter. Oh boy, the roads were atrocious at times yesterday, in particular uh, in my afternoon uh, chauffeuring duties uh, all around uh, Eastern Winnipeg. I was uh, very cautious out there as. Yeah, the streets were getting polished up. Uh, there was uh, snow falling at different times. Uh, there, there's a little bit of an incline close to my house. Uh, Manitoba Mountain, uh, Julie refers to those as snow banks. Well, let me tell you, there's a little bit of an incline as you make your way off of Springfield Road eastbound to make your way on to southbound Lajamodier. It's a, it's a little bit of a yield there. And it's just enough of an incline that yesterday there was a van that could not make it up that slight incline and find it found itself in the ditch. And earlier in the day, I was behind someone that also had a great amount of difficulty getting up that that slight slope. And throughout the rush hour, things were very slippery as the sl- snow came down and and uh, sanding trucks were having a hard time uh, keeping up to uh, the, the reduced visibility. And of course, that was creating bad traction. So it wasn't fun yesterday. And Brett, I noticed that you stopped short. You, you mentioned tomorrow, uh, tonight's overnight low. And then tomorrow, it's going to be sunny in the day. And then 5 to 10 more centimeters of snow overnight tomorrow. Oh, so depending on that wind again, who knows what we're going to have for road, highway conditions, etc., on Friday, as we head into, and may I remind you, 
It's a long weekend. Yay! Some good news. That's excellent. You found the, the pot of gold. At there the end is. of the rainbow. I didn't see that coming. You really spun a yarn there where I was following you along. I thought, oh, God, is there a blizzard warning? Another clipper this weekend? What's happening? And then you whispered the long weekend. That's right. <laughs> day. That's some good news. Also, uh, good news for me in my grubby Transconian mitts here. I have uh, a check from MPI to the tune of $292. I saw somebody Ooh. tweeting about their MPI rebate, and I thought, "Oh, I wonder if I got mine." So I put on my uh, some sandals and ran downstairs to my mail slot to my apartment block, and there it was—an envelope from NB- MPI. And uh, I opened it and just to make sure that it wasn't some sort of a bill, but it was actually uh, this rebate <laughs> check. And uh, yeah, so I'm uh, hmm. excited about that. You have not received yours yet, Greg. No, and I've been checking the mailbox because I've also been seeing people tweeting and and celebrating the fact that they are getting their check. <laughs> I have a friend. <laughs> I felt so bad for her, Loren. She was so excited. She got a check for about 400 bucks. And, uh, oh, I'm going to do this and do that. And then uh, my wife reminded her, doesn't your employer pay for your insurance? Oh. Yeah. Oh, no. Well, you're going you're gonna to have to give that to them, aren't you? Oh yes, <laughs> bubble burster. So oh, no. yeah, so there was <laughs> there was momentary celebration there, and uh, Jackie was the uh, burster of bubbles there. But I, yeah, I'm 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 anxiously awaiting. I guess two checks, one for each policy, right, McNabb? I guess that's how it works. I, we don't have ours yet. Your your wife's friend must have been listening to the show yesterday. We were talking about those about disappointments, right? Get all excited to get an MPI check and realize it's not yours. You Got to hand it to the boss. So that. That sucks for sure. No, we don't have ours yet in the mail, but um, like many people, we could we could use the extra cash. I'm not going too far to thank MPI on this one. You know, I I don't. It's your own money. It's my money, so I'm happy to get my money back <laughs> or some of it. But you know, the more the merrier, I guess. So coming up at 6:45, we're gonna have a chat about stuff we actually get excited to receive in the mail, or maybe something you know from your childhood. You know, maybe you sent away and ordered something and you waited patiently by the mailbox until it would would arrive. So you can tell us a story at 204-780-6868 for a chance to win Foo Fighters tickets. And we've also got tickets to give away for Randy Backman, uh, who's going to join us live at 835, by the way, uh, to tee up the fact that he's going to play at Club Region Event Center April 28th and 29th. And the fact that his show Vinyl Tap, his radio show Vinyl Tap is coming to Chorus Radio and will debut soon on our friends down the hall at Power 97. But, of course, one of the big ones today, Loren, is the Emerson border. Yeah, it's supposed to be cleared. Uh, at some point today, the RCMP put out a, a statement yesterday saying that you know they've talked to protesters and that the area was going to be free and clear at some point February 16th, which is today. So if you are traveling to and from uh, the states or you're heading south or you're coming in to Manitoba right now, let us know what you're seeing at the border. The RCMP are going to join us just after 8 to update the situation, but it sounds like the situation will clear at Emerson, which then begs further questions as to what's going on in Ottawa and what may or may not happen with the Emergency Act. We're going to get more into that at 637, but the Emergency Act is supposed to give powers that we don't apparently currently have to end the situation. Well, the situation might be ending 
in Emerson. It's ended in Alberta, albeit with some charges against some of the protesters. It's still continuing at the ledge and it's still continuing in Ottawa. So we'll get more into the Emergency Act and what analysts are saying at 6.37 and the latest from the RCMP after 8. want to talk about how it's still not clear when Parliament will vote on whether the Emergency Act should be used to end the protests in Ottawa and other parts of the country. Yeah, that vote's supposed to come within seven days of invoking the Act, which gives the government extraordinary powers, and, and it implies the laws that we have right now aren't enough to end the protests. But over the past 48 hours, we here at CJOB and, of course, other legal experts have spoken to us, spoken to reporters, and it seems there is some doubt as to whether the government has even met the threshold to declare an emergency. Here's what uh, two legal experts had to say to Global National's David Aiken. So the government is of Canada is essentially having to say that these protests threaten the government's ability to preserve the sovereignty, security, or territorial integrity of Canada, which I think is quite a significant thing to be claiming. The Emergencies Act is not there to protect the Canadian economy, which is one of the things that the government has been talking about a lot. And despite press conferences yesterday and again today with the Prime Minister and senior cabinet ministers, the government has yet to provide details or explain why it believes there is a national emergency and exactly what it will do about it. Yesterday, the Prime Minister invoked the Emergencies Act. 24 hours in and there are more questions than answers. I want to be very clear, Mr. Speaker. The scope of these measures are time-limited and geographically targeted. But does geographically targeted mean they apply only to downtown Ottawa or to the entire city? Is it one border crossing or all border crossings? One province or several? The Prime Minister did not say. Details like that and many more are the kind of thing that both MPs and senators will want before they vote to confirm the government's application of the Emergencies Act. By law, both chambers must begin debating this issue within the week. That debate will be followed by a vote, and the government must get a majority in both chambers. If it fails in either chamber, well, that's it. That's the end of the Emergency Act and the end of any special powers the government wants to exercise. That was Global National's David Aiken. And, and based on everything I've been reading from different lawyers and those who study this law, people who are weighing in on it, it doesn't really pass the smell test or the sniffs test just yet, Greg. It doesn't, it doesn't seem to be feeling like it's not only the right thing to do, but that even the legal thing to do. So lots more questions, as David said, than answers right now. We have lots of people demanding action, including our premier, right? Last week asking, what is the prime minister going to do about this? What is the federal government going to do? But after our conversation with Nomi Lazar yesterday, I was, yeah, you know what? I want something done as well, but I, I just still not certain. And the more, just like you, and I, maybe just like Brett, don't want to speak on your behalf, but it feels as though, based on what the experts are telling us, this might be some overreach here. Now, the blockade at Emerson is probably the geographic situation where most people in Manitoba were asking for some action. Well, that's supposed to end today while protesters remain in Winnipeg and other parts of the country. In Ottawa, truckers are lined up as close as they can get to Parliament Hill, and Ottawa's police chief, the person tasked with enforcing current laws, has resigned. Global Nationals' Abigail Beeman spoke to several protesters in Ottawa who say they're not going anywhere. We are in control by our Lord and Savior, and he looks after us better than what our, our parliament has been doing. 
parked right in front of Parliament, the junkers say they aren't worried about a frozen bank account. Most of the truckers' bank accounts are pretty well empty right now anyway, so we, we, we don't put money into the banks anymore and because we don't trust the banks anymore. This is about following the money. This is about stopping the financing. The government wants money laundering and terrorist financing rules to expand to cover crowdfunding platforms and payment service providers, which must register with FinTrack. Banks are asked to report on those involved in the blockades to CSIS and the RCMP and can freeze accounts with no court order. That is a fairly serious consequence that impact these individuals for the rest of their lives. It's not like not being allowed to travel. These people won't be able to get loans, a mortgage, possibly a credit card if this is not handled correctly. This is quite proportional given the, the damage that these, uh, that these blockades are doing to people's lives. But like all measures so far, it's not deterring hundreds of people camped out in the core. Some don't believe it. Talking today about the State of Emergencies Act and the part about... There is none. Okay. Done. Because it's just another scare tactic. I'd love for them to freeze my bank accounts because they're all in the minus right now because of this COVID. Others, like Jimmy Sear, are just plain frustrated. I'm not out here because I want to topple governments or to, to hurt anybody. I'm out here because I've been hurt so much by, this, by these mandates that I can't take it anymore. Many Ottawa residents say they can't take all this anymore either. Chief Peter Slowly and the Ottawa Police Services Board reached a mutually agreeable separation. Ottawa Police Chief Peter Slowly out Tuesday. The interim leadership trying to convince the Police Services Board, the city and beyond that things will now be under control. But I'm confident that we've reached a turning point. We now have the resources and partners to bring a safe end to this occupation. Ottawa police still won't say how many of the additional 1,800 resources they asked for they now have, nor would the interim police chief share any details about the plan Ottawa police promised they're working on to end things. But in answering board questions, he did answer the total number of charges laid for illegal assembly. It's zero. That's Global National's Abigail Beeman, who is going to join us with the latest coming up at 7.50. Today, we, well, I'm excited. I got my check. I got my MPI rebate check yesterday. Greg Lorenz still waiting for theirs. Uh, but yeah, I was excited to get this check. I saw some people tweeting about it, so I ran downstairs to see if it was in my mail slot, and there it was. And that just got me thinking, you know, this is one of the few things I'm actually excited to receive in the mail. And so we want to know at 204-780-6868 for a pair of Foo Fighters tickets, a chance to win those tickets. We'll give them away at 9.15. Tell us about something that you still get excited to receive in the mail, or maybe something like from when you were a kid that you you were excited to receive. Like I used to have a subscription to Nintendo Power Magazine, and it was my favorite moment every month when that magazine would show up. I'd wait patiently for it to come, and um, oh man, I loved that magazine, and I loved getting it when Nintendo Power showed up. It was a good day. So 204-780-6868, tell us a story. Producer Sky, why don't we start with you? Mine's weird. Um, <laughs> when I was like 12, 13, I got a free subscription to the Mayo Clinic newsletter. <laughs> and uh, it was the best 12 to 14 weeks of my life. I got a pictorial guide to skin diseases. <laughs> 
It was awesome. First of all, they, they had the nerve to charge somebody for this in the first place. Listen, you can't get pictures of thrush like that anywhere. Okay. It was top quality, like before HD. Oh, it was skin mag. Got it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was good. I still have them. Um, so That's a keeper. So yesterday was ketchup. Today it's mayo. <laughs> yeah. No, oh, but it's mayo. Okay. Yeah, condiment city. I see. Um, who wants to go next after that? Tough to uh, tomorrow's that. salsa dancing. <laughs> well, Poitras, how about you? Uh, well, I'm I'm eagerly awaiting something right now. And like when I'm, uh, I got this little uh, Rohan the charm that I'm going to wear on my necklace as like a thing for myself. But. Sky, are you That's laughing at Cam? No. <laughs> oh, come Ned. on. Give me a break. <laughs> shut up. Um, shut up. Um, and so anyways, I'm checking it all the time. Like, it's actually in transit on its way back to Winnipeg. I was thinking I would have to wait until, like, uh, March. But uh, it's coming a lot earlier than I expected. So that's very exciting. But I don't know. I, I, I still love getting, like, packages in the mail, even though, like, I've ordered it on Amazon. And I know what it is. But it's like, ah, it's here. And, you like, it's like it's like getting a present. It's a present to yourself. It's a Christmas present to yourself. And I, I think everybody loves getting mail. And just for, just for those who might not know, <clears throat> Cam, where is Rohan located? Uh, well, it's uh, located uh, uh, too middle, close middle to middle. Isengard. <laughs> oh, gee whiz. I was fearful this is where we were going with it. Too close to Isengard. <laughs> um, <laughs> Greg, what do you mean, Greg? <laughs> this this has to do with uh, the, the the these books that uh, you guys are obsessed with. with Lord the, of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. They're also films, uh, uh, Greg. I don't know if you knew that. They're also no, movies. We're not no, I never people, fell Greg. asleep uh, at the theater in uh, any two of those films. Uh, Jeff, That's Ron. your problem. <laughs> Ron, what about you? I'm actually waiting on a package right now as well. Some T-shirts I ordered, but uh, like you, Brett, when I was a kid, I had some magazine subscriptions: Premier Magazine and Mad Magazine. And it was I'd have it was Altona, right? So I'd have like bike down to the post office every day to see if it was there. The worst would be though when it would hit the shelves in the store before you got your copy in the mail. Oh, that was so you'd see it sitting there at the drugstore, but it's like, well, I can't buy it because I got one coming already. And I don't even want to leaf through it because it why spoil the surprise, right? So that was always the worst. That is the worst. I have an Entertainment Weekly subscription, and sometimes I see it on the store shelves before it's arrived in my mail, and that just drives me nuts. And uh, I'm actually sad they're they're uh, they're ending their print publication for Entertainment Weekly, so that stinks. Um, Loren, what about you? I don't know if you guys remember this or even were part of this, but when we were younger, we used to get what was called the Highlights magazine, and they were magazines yep. for kids, where they were targeted towards, you know, they had little games in it, news that kids could learn from, and so we used to get so excited when those would show up in the mail because it had games, and it would entertain us, and we'd keep it in the car, and so this past year, my sister actually tried to find, like, the modern-day version of the Highlights magazine where she's living. I think it still exists. I think she could have just found Highlights, but... She lives in Europe now, and so she ordered for our kids a subscription to, like, the European version, which was very, very thoughtful, except for it is all 
nobody knows what's in it. Like every time it comes, we flip through it and be like, I don't know who this soccer stock soccer star is. I don't know who the president of you know. No one's like the kids are like, who is this? The Lithuania president? Like what is this? Like so it's really sweet. But it comes and we try to get excited about it, and then by page three, you're like, all right, I don't, I don't know what's going on in this European magazine. So we're we're trying, but it's just not the same thing. And Mr. Mackling. Well, you know, uh, Steve Martin, the movie The Jerk, the new phone books are here. The new phone books are here. That was always a highlight, right? You'd look up you'd look up all the people that you knew and you'd look up your own name and everything. But uh, Lee texted in almost immediately after you dropped the mic on this, Brett McGarry, and, and I had written it down. Lee says, stuff in the mail, I missed Columbia House. I had several memberships, and to be honest, had them under several fake names. I always <laughs> met my obligations, but there was nothing better than getting a box of CDs or cassettes in the mail. And I could not agree with Lee more. You know, you got those dozen or 13 tapes to get you going for a penny, and then uh, they would just send you the tape or the album of the month and uh if you didn't tell them ahead of time that you didn't want it you were sort of stuck with it <laughs> that negative option billing scam they had going i confess to owing uh, columbia house many hundreds of dollars still <laughs> all right so here's we coming need. for you can i just share two quick back-to-back texts um, first deb saying i love cam and sky and audrey says sky is making jeff braun look normal Oh, wow. You're welcome. <laughs> Yay. Sorry, I just had to squeeze that in. I don't, I don't understand that. Canada will eliminate its pre-arrival COVID-19 PCR test requirements for fully vaccinated travelers at the end of the month, according to officials, Loren. Yeah, so as of February 28th, a negative rapid antigen or PCR test result will be accepted to meet entry requirements. Now, these tests still need to be done by a laboratory or healthcare worker, meaning a test at home won't work. So that's something to keep in mind. But another positive change, children under 12 who are not fully vaccinated but are traveling with fully vaccinated adults, they'll no longer need to quarantine when they're back home. So that eliminates that 14 days they might have spent at home, Greg. Right, and so it probably changes some things with regard to our travel considerations about what might happen in terms of getting stuck elsewhere. All sorts of questions uh, for our next guest. Marty Firestone is the president of Travel Secure, Inc., and joins us now. Good morning, Marty. Good morning. How are you? We're doing all right. Uh, Loren already lamenting the fact that uh, the cost of travel is going up maybe by the hour right now in Canada as these uh, changes are being announced. How are travels reacting overall and are bookings up as a result of this announcement? Yeah, I think the timing couldn't be better. Overall, it's a step in the right direction. I mean, many people still think further restrictions and layers should be removed, but I have to think for the moment, this is a good start. And what it's having an effect is that people are all starting to make plans to get away. And that's the key. There is newfound enthusiasm at this point. Let's talk about the inventory that's out there. And I, I had said, you know, I was looking at flights a couple of weeks ago and the cost difference between then and now is not just a couple hundred dollars difference. It's hundreds of dollars per person difference. And so I'm just curious, is that a result of just the demand that's there or is the inventory still low uh, for the amount of planes that might be ready to go and all the rest, Marty? 
Yeah, I think it's never going to be less than it is today because it's only going one way and that's up. And that's a combination of also fuel charges also and things like that that are going through the roof right now. But once the inventory starts getting eaten up by people going away on a March break, as an example, because I think one of the biggest changes yesterday was the fact that 12-year-olds and younger do not have their quarantine when they get back. They can go right into daycare schools or wherever they're going and parents can go back to work. That is going to make tons of people make the decision who are sitting on the fence to now go. So I think all these trips are going to go very quickly over the next couple of days. You mentioned fuel charges, but we're just wondering, like, how significant of an impact might that have on travel this year? Yeah, I have to think significant, coupled with the fact that pent-up demand to travel, the two combined together should absolutely put prices, you know, absolutely extraordinarily high. But having said that, it's been so long that people haven't traveled and companies and tour operators and airlines have had the business that I think they have to be cognizant of that and still make it attractive and affordable enough to fly. Marty, uh, obviously uh, airlines in particular were challenged in terms of logistics and layoffs, uh, pilots having to keep up uh, with regard to their training, etc. And ramping up isn't just flipping a, a switch and having everybody come back tomorrow because we're ready to have you back. Talk about the challenges there in terms of insuring and, and ramping up inventory in terms of uh, seats on aircraft. Yeah, it, it's not going to happen overnight. You, you know, we saw it in restaurants that they lost staff, staff that never even want to come back even into that industry and have gone elsewhere. So they're short staffed. I suspect at an airline level, there'd be lots of people that went elsewhere or aren't ready to come back to work yet. So it can't just go from zero to 100, you know, in 10 seconds. It's going to take its time. But on a positive note, I think if things continue and virus counts and things like that and hospital counts continue a downward trend, Hopefully we get rid of the PCR requirement, I should say the negative antigen test leaving and then the one coming back. And you know what? We'll be back to the new normal, we'll call it, in a very short time. Marty, what have we learned from this? I know there'll be postmortems after, you know, if we get once we get through COVID and we hopefully do when things are you know, back to normal, whatever that looks like. What do we learn? Because I think there's a lot of Canadians who love to travel, but then are might still be leery just with the idea of like on, you know, any given day, things can change so very quickly. Is it about insurance? Is it about making sure airlines are actually doing the right thing for the passengers and, and getting them their cash back should they get stuck? Like what's what's the takeaway? Yeah, so many Good things, if that's the right word, could come out of all of this with respect to no more credits and vouchers, but return of monies. And from an insurance perspective, having the proper insurance, including things like trip interruption, which never used to be a popular product, but now is necessary because of the risk of testing positive and needing to quarantine and you need costs for accommodations. I think the consumer, the traveler will be a lot more knowledgeable going forward. And of course, you know, if there's another variant lurking out there and that hits us for this summer, this is a real problem for people who are putting deposits down now on trips and may not get it back because trip cancellation will still not cover a fear of flying because you say that country's through the roof or that government closed the border at that country. So we still have some, some things and challenges ahead of us at this point. Marty Firestone is the president of Travel Secure Inc. Joining us live on 680 CJOB. Marty, pleasure as always, sir. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Take care. Right now we're talking about the things that you get excited 
to receive in the mail, or maybe something you once got excited to get in the mail, like when you were a kid. And we're getting all kinds of great stories at 204-780-6868, including one, Loren, about pen pals. Yeah, Kellyanne says, I grew up in an era when pen pals were a thing. As a bullied and nerdy teenager, it was a window into a world that was much larger than the small one I lived in. I had a view of New Zealand, Singapore, Spain, USSR, a couple of places in the U.S. and Canada. It helped me move out of myself for a time. Now being in several very small and private Facebook groups has given me the same feeling. And she says she also gets warm fuzzies with the Christmas and birthday cards. Yeah, pen pals were cool. I remember... I think it was grade two or three. We put a letter with your address in it in a, like, and attached it to a balloon. And then we all went out and released them into the air. And wherever the balloon went, you know, you hoped someone would find it and then write you back. <laughs> and uh, mine <laughs> rose like, I don't know, 30 feet and got stuck in a pine tree or something. <laughs> and that, that was the end of that. I was like, oh, won't be getting a letter back from that one, I guess. But pen pals were cool. Well, in, in grade two, I think it was, might have been grade three, we read Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and we wrote letters as a classroom to Roald Dahl, the author. And I'll never forget the day that our teacher came into the classroom to say that we had received a letter back from Roald Dahl. Oh, and we cool. all sat down, gathered around, waited for uh, Mrs. Zimmer to sit down and, and read the, the letter to us. It was a lengthy letter. It was fantastic. So yeah, who doesn't miss those those old-fashioned days of writing a letter and then checking the mailbox every day for three weeks to see if if your feelings of affection or <laughs> or your 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 letter was even read in the first place yeah. and someone dare to uh, to you know write you back. Chris says living in the country and trips to the department stores few and far between and no internet etc. Back in the day, every kid's biggest day was the arrival of the Sears Christmas catalog. Would spend hours scouring and dreaming about the new toys. Yeah, that was a good one, and I think Consumers Distributing had a good uh, catalog, if memory serves. But yeah, that's awesome. Lots of great memories of staring at that catalog. Two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight. What do you get excited about to get in the mail? Like an MPI rebate check. Jeff Braun says he got his this morning. He just went and checked the mail after our chat at 650. Talking today about the state of emergency back and the part about... There is none. Okay. Done. Because it's just another scare tactic. I'd love for them to freeze my bank accounts because they're all in the minus right now because of this COVID. I'm not out here because I want to topple governments or to, to hurt anybody. I'm out here because I've been hurt so much by this by these mandates that I can't take it anymore. Just some of the reaction gathered from Parliament Hill yesterday as protesters shared their thoughts on the Prime Minister's plan to use the Emergencies Act to remove them from Ottawa. And potentially from other parts of the country, Global National's Abigail Beeman has been speaking to protesters, politicians and police for weeks now and joins us from the Capitol where the protest, I think it's in its 19th day. Abigail, let's start with the Emergencies Act. We've all been learning and reading a lot more about it over the last 48 hours. What do we know now that we perhaps didn't know a few days ago that's creating some more questions? Yeah, good morning. So we were all scrambling to get some actual details. And it wasn't until late last night that the government finally published like the text of the regulations uh, about this. They even had a technical briefing for reporters uh, late in the day yesterday. And by that point, they still didn't have the, the text up. So taking a look at the text as it stands, there's a few things worth noting. 
One, the emphasis on minors, on children. So we know that police had concerns about kids uh, in trucks, but we hadn't, we weren't actually aware that there was going to be black and white text uh, banning people from bringing children to protests and also specifically from traveling to a protest with children because, you know, we've spoken to uh, families in trucks that have driven from quite a ways away to, to be here because that's how important they feel it is. Uh, second thing to note, the ability of the government to direct services, and that really means tow truck drivers, to tell tow truck drivers that they need to move trucks out of here. A lot of conversation in the technical briefing about how that may work if a driver refuses, and it was suggested that uh, government or police may uh, basically take the tow truck and, and do it themselves if the uh, tow truck driver refuses. So some interesting things there. But really what's key here is the financial impact, financial elements. That that was my voice you heard speaking to the protesters on, on, on the street yesterday uh, about the impact of, um, of a frozen bank account. And there was some more details, but really not that much clarity. And we've been bugging the banks all day yesterday to respond like, whose bank accounts are you going to freeze? And how is this going to work? And how long will it last? No answers there because they didn't have uh, information or the, or the text yet, but now it's out there. We're hoping to get some more clarity. Abigail, if we go back three weeks in time, there are a long list of Canadians names we had never heard before. Maybe uh, near the top of that list, the name of the police chief in Ottawa. If you did, lived uh, outside that city, you had no sure. idea who, who that person was. Uh, right. That individual resigned yesterday. Where do things stand with regard to leadership of the Ottawa Police Service? Mm -hmm. That was uh, former chief now, Peter Sololi, uh, who stepped down yesterday. Interesting language at a police service board officially announcing it, although it had been leaked through media in the hours prior. But uh, the official word was mutual separation uh, from the police services board. Now the former deputy chief that I'm sure nobody outside Ottawa had heard of before, Steve Bell, uh, is the interim chief, uh, to your point there. And uh, Steve Bell basically spent the meeting trying to convince councillors who sit on the police services board that there is a plan. But you can imagine if you or a resident in Ottawa frustrated by what's going on, that you have lost faith uh, in police and their ability to carry out any such plan. We also heard from the public safety minister, Merkel Mendicino, who suggested that with the new integrated command centre that basically allows municipal, provincial and federal police to work together, that the Ontario Provincial Police and RCMP are in a position to take command and control uh, of the operation. So some more details there, but uh, new interim chief, Bell uh, refused to give any details of the plan, of course, saying he doesn't want to tip off protesters uh, by sharing information that about police operations, but certainly a lot of frustration from, from people that would like to see this end. What are we expecting today on the protest front? Oh, many, many things uh, today. So first of all, we're going to have a, a council meeting that was rescheduled after the turmoil of the police chief stepping down yesterday. That's not till four Eastern this afternoon. Uh, second, the, your, your listeners may well recall all the honking that was nonstop in the beginning of this protest. You don't hear any right now behind me because uh, there is a court injunction uh, that was issued for 10 days that expires. Lawyers will be back in court uh, this early this afternoon uh, to try and talk about extending that on behalf of residents of the city of Ottawa. We'll see what a judge decides uh, about that. And then finally, we'll, of course, be watching the Hill for information about when the Emergencies Act will actually be tabled and then voted on. And that's a whole long process. It has to be uh, tabled within within uh, seven days. We just got notice that the Senate, which was not sitting this week, is being recalled on Friday to discuss that. But where it stands in the House, we are not yet sure. Global Nationals, Abigail Beeman joining us live on CJOB. Abigail, thank you very much for this. Thank you.
At the border, because the RCMP say the Emerson border crossing will be completely reopened at some point today. Yeah, yesterday, Chief Superintendent Rob Hill issued a statement saying a resolution had been reached and that he expected things to be cleared at some point today. But the question du jour, are protesters leaving? Sergeant Paul Maneg joins us now. Good morning, Sergeant. Good morning, Sergeant. Sorry about that. I had uh, still had you on hold there. We couldn't quite hear you. Not a problem. Good morning. So we've uh, heard plenty from you and we appreciate the updates uh, over the, the past week. But what can you tell us is happening right now? Is there any sign that any of those vehicles that have been participating in that blockade are, are starting to leave? I don't have the latest updates. We should have uh, our morning crew kind of arriving now to kind of assess what occurred overnight. But my understanding is uh, the equipment and vehicles were would have started rolling out, or some of them last night. As the cleanup kind of gets underway, I guess they got a lot of work to do to get that highway open. Uh, and we're hoping around noon today. We heard from a listener a few hours ago saying the border was, in fact, still shut down, that, that trucks were not moving. So I'm not sure. I guess we'll have to wait for a later update from uh, you guys, uh, Sergeant Maneg. But one of our listeners is asking the question, were any vehicles impounded or any arrests made? They're, they're wondering if there are any consequences to this blockade. Right now, no, no arrests uh, or charges have been issued and the vehicles my understanding, are going to be rolling out uh, together later this morning. What do you say to the Manitoba businesses who might be, you know, might be feeling, all right, fine, it ended peacefully, but uh, at a serious cost to their bottom line? Well, we're fortunate that, you know, a lot of media agencies have been asking me this question. We've been very fortunate that a lot of these trucks had the opportunity to get rerouted. It's not like they were stuck on the highway. Uh, I understand there's a convenience, the inconvenience of having to either drive to Tolstoy or through the Gretna crossing, but these trucks did have the ability to enter the United States. It's just unfortunately they had to take a detour. So that kind of helped us, I guess, dealing with these negotiations that uh, gave us the time we needed. So the time has uh, has come and we're expecting these protesters to move on. Should they decide to, to come back, Sergeant? Have have you got a plan? Would you handle this differently, dare I ask? Or are there some, some things that maybe you've learned that, that would uh, suggest that maybe we don't let this go on as long? What would your take be on that? Well, we do have plans in place. Like I say, um, if things were to change and the protests were to continue, like you say, we've got the contingencies in place now to uh, deal with it. Sergeant Maneg, uh, you know, we've been following the different protests right across the country, Ottawa, of course, the one in Alberta, and there's some concern that a precedent might be set here. You know, if, if we don't clear things out more quickly, this could just happen again and again with whatever the issue might be or concern of protesters. There's a Edmonton security firm that actually did an operation to take a look and talk to people in and around the border in Alberta. And, and they found that the protest was went beyond protesters' imaginations. They couldn't believe that the police weren't moving in to do more. And so they actually considered even blocking the airport cargo term, terminals and doing more. So are you concerned there's a precedent being set? I don't think you can look at it kind of setting a precedent. This is kind of a unique situation, kind of being national in scope. So you've got to treat every situation differently. And that's kind of like I say, where you put your training and expertise 
uh, into play, and then you just see how it develops. And then, like I say, you act according to uh, the information you're receiving, any threat assessments. You act accordingly. And if it's some some situations have to be dealt with quicker, some, like I say, you have time to to deal with. Sergeant, are you prepared? Are you prepared to let us know exactly what that? what that resolution looked like, what those conversations might've been that, that lead us to where we are today? Well, I can basically kind of say it's just an, an ongoing dialogue of kind of where the RCMP is headed with this. Like you say, you're just, you're giving them the notice of like, this is what we plan to do if you don't do this, or this is what we need you to do today or by tomorrow. Or like you see, just keeping them informed so that there's no surprises that they're well-informed. And then let them make that decision. If you want to stay, if you choose to be arrested or if you choose to have your vehicle seized, you've had plenty of notice. So I think we've been very uh, forthright with the direction we were headed. And I think that helped uh, play a role for this morning. So was there a plan, Sergeant Maneg, to arrest or impound vehicles if they didn't move by today or don't move Absolutely. by the end of day? Um, I don't have a time frame on it, but I can guarantee you that uh, conditions were put in place to move this forward. So there will be arrests if people aren't moved at some point. Exactly. We have contingencies in place, like you say, to if the things didn't move or progress the way we wanted to, you have to put those plans in place and be ready for it. Sergeant Paul Maneg with the RCMP joining us live on 680 CJOB. Sergeant, thank you very much for the time. We appreciate it, sir. Thank you. So, as you know, uh, look, we we all like to support local on this radio station. I, in particular, like to buy clothes from local companies, local brands. It started well before the pandemic, but it's kind of ratcheted up during the pandemic to help support local. One of those companies is... Zwicke. And um, I was chuckling to myself this morning as I was trying to figure out all the stuff I now own from them. So I've got a ball cap, which I'm wearing now, two pullover jackets, including a sweet Blue Bombers one, uh, which, Greg, didn't you buy like a half dozen of those? Uh, five, yes. <laughs> five. And handed them out as gifts, right? Yes. Well, I kept one for myself, but don't tell anyone. Okay. Um, what else? I've got two hoodie sweaters, one of which is a collaboration with another brand, The Peg, a pair of swim trunks, also from that collaboration with The Peg, two pairs of jogger pants, five pairs of crew socks, three pairs of ankle socks, a pair of sandals or slides, uh, my backpack, a toque, an ugly Christmas t-shirt, and... <laughs> Good Lord, that's a lot of stuff. And then two T-shirts from their Bee History collections to recognize Black History Month, one of which I'm wearing right now. Zwicke is co-owned by Black Entrepreneurs, and we're joined by one of them now, Ogo Okamabua. Good morning, Ogo. Hey, what's up, Pete? How are you guys doing today? Well, listen, man, I, as you just heard, I'm practically a walking billboard for you guys. Where's my uh, sponsorship man. deal? I, I, thank, I, I thank you. <laughs> You're keeping us open during the, uh, the old <laughs> pandemic that's hopefully ending. <laughs> so listen, Ogo, like when I come visit you guys, uh, I don't see you as, as black. I just see you as nice guys who make cool stuff. But do you ever feel things are different for you guys as black entrepreneurs? 
Um, I mean, we don't really have time to be, you know, we don't spend our time kind of placing ourselves in the box in the box of black entrepreneurs. Um, I do know that, you know, as we talk about black owned business, a lot of people kind of, um, you know, we, we find people are like, Oh, can we wear it? Because we're not black. And, and we kind of think it's such a silly, silly question. Cause we sell clothing, we sell leggings, we sell all these things that are not, um, they're not specific to a race or a gender or anything like that. And um, so, I mean, I mean, there's different challenges when you're, when, when you kind of get labeled as a black owned business, because sometimes people in the community hear black only instead of it just being, Hey, I'm, I'm no different entrepreneur than anybody else. I'm just uh, a guy trying to make a living and, and, and enjoying our craft and kind of connect with our community. On the other hand, Ogo, and I, I certainly won't call into question what you just said. I think it's uh, prophetic, uh, profound, rather, and and accurate. But you and I met almost a decade ago via Hoops from the Heart and that uh, incredible, uh, you know, group of of people in our city that put that event together, which invited you know inner city youth, a, a lot of uh, you know kids of color. Uh, would come to the University of Winnipeg for those tremendous back- basketball games that you would put on for us and and for the kids. And and part of that was to show inner city youth, as I mentioned, a lot of those uh, persons of color, the idea that, you know, university and, and, and being an athlete at a university isn't out of reach because the athletes that you put on the floor on our behalf looked like them. How big a deal is that? Um, maybe looking back to, to, to have people that look like you doing the things that you want to do? Um, I think representation is always extremely important. I mean, when you when you grow up, you, you look at people within your community um, to see, hey, you know what, would I become a teacher? Would I become a doctor? Will I become, um, you know, if an athlete, whatever it might be, uh, representation is always super, super important. It's not something that, you know, I'm, I'm not uh, aware that, hey, you know what, yes, I want um, other kids that might look like me to realize, well, I could be an entrepreneur if I want to be. I could be a doctor. I can. I could be a basketball player. The one one key thing when I, when I was talking specifically about business, sometimes um, I find when when you're of a different race, we kind of get pigeonholed into you know one thing or another. So I, I don't think that I'm unrelatable to uh, a white person. I think I'm just as relatable. I might look a little bit different. But uh, I just think that, you know, we we spend a lot of times kind of putting constructs around us so that it feels like, you know, sometimes we're only for for a specific demographic where um, a lot of us are doing stuff for, for everybody. And, and we would just kind of like that opportunity to, to be kind of seen in, in a lot more different aspects than just, you know, being a black business or just, you know, a black athlete or whatever that might be. But I definitely believe that, you know, representation for kids, you know, for teachers, for, you know, police officers, for diversity at all levels makes it a lot easier and, and a little more harmonious um, in, in society. So, Well, looking at your collection, I mean, it really is for everyone. One of the T-shirts, be you, be unified, be history. And, and your clothes aren't just about just have, having people wear them, but also the money goes towards your be history fun can you tell us a bit about that ogle because i think that's an important part of the initiative that you're also trying to find ways to make a difference for everyone you betcha so yeah you know um, we we strongly believe here in community and you know community development and and growth and and you'll notice that through through our be history line it has been about being history be a part of history how can you leave your mark uh, on history and um 
we were super excited. We've always been super excited that we get a partner with um, Can You and uh, their organization. And they are uh, a university kind of organization uh, led by Roger Barrington that uh, helps young kids kind of become what they want to be. If they want to be a doctor, if they want to be an accountant, um, they help giving them the tools to kind of grow and, and stuff. And, and we just thought, what an amazing uh, program to be involved with to see, you know, some of our future leaders um, get an opportunity, whether it's going to university or whatever. But uh, we, we were able to give out $5,000, um, five different scholarships last year. And uh, we hope to continue that trend and it's been pretty awesome because we've also been lucky to bring some of our own network in terms of, um, you know, Paul Foos and Associates with the I Investors Group um, uh, company have actually, you know, match match um, the funds that we donate uh, to make these scholarships happen. So it's been pretty awesome to kind of see the connectivity of the community and Winnipeg has always been wonderful for that. So it's been uh awesome ride and, you know, it's, it's such a fun, fun thing to do in a, a uh, great way to kind of see your community continue to grow and hopefully leave it a little bit better when you when you move on. Hey, while we have you here, Ogo, uh, just wondering if you had like some belated thoughts on the Super Bowl halftime show because that was a huge moment for hip hop and for rap culture. So awesome! I mean, it, you know, it was it was so neat because it it was speaking to me it was speaking to my high school it was speaking to my university years uh, and a lot of people did, well i think you know, my kids realize it's funny to say that to my kids this is this is that was old school music you know with the exception <laughs> of kendrick lamar that's old school music and and that was the prime of my life and um just seeing, you know, the growth of guy of guys that, you know, were, you know, Snoop Doggy Dogg has probably had one of the most amazing careers, if you can ever think of a guy that goes from, you know, being basically a public outlaw um, to, you know, goes on trial, um, has music that's, you know, a little, little, little extremely racy, but then is working with Martha Stewart and, and is hosting events and, the, the longevity and just seeing the growth and um, and it's cool to kind of see because that's kind of what you start to realize when you know people get different opportunities than maybe what they're what, what they were handed you start to see that hey you know what they give it back to the community and they start to see you know now you know Snoop's not just a rapper he's an entrepreneur he's a you know he's a man of the community and stuff like that and it, it was I thought it was just awesome like I just couldn't get enough of it danced my butt off uh, screamed while I was uh, singing, singing the songs <laughs> and I just, I still can't get enough of, you know, just watching Snoop Doggy Dog and uh, I keep calling him Snoop Doggy Dog like, uh, like it's 1990. <laughs> <laughs> I noticed that. Now. I was yeah, like, yeah. you have, you have to be a certain you age to, to throw though, the double dog, right? You have to. It is so true. It's so true. <laughs> You'll hey, Ogo, how direction. come, uh, how come the skip the dishes beat you to getting, Snoop Dogg signed on as a as a as a rep as a spokesperson. Uh, uh, one Winnipeg company just narrowly missing out ahead of a, another Winnipeg company. I'm sure. Uh, my 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 bid of um, a pair of free joggers apparently didn't entice him enough to uh, to come over on our side. But uh, I think Skip's pockets are just a little bit deeper than ours at this moment. The website <laughs> nice is. The website is zuike.com. That's spelled Z-U-E-I-K-E. You can find them at 45 Trottier Bay. Ogo Okamabua is one of the co-owners of Zuike. Ogo, 
Always a pleasure. Thank you very much for joining us. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. I, I just want to weigh in on your consu- on your things that you want to get in the mail. Oh yeah. And back in the day, this is one when I was old, when I was younger. It was the consumer catalog. <laughs> yeah. ah, Excellent. That one. Yeah, put that one on the list of the consumer catalog. So, yeah, there was. <laughs> that's one. That's an awesome one. <laughs> that's a good one, Ogo. Hey, thanks for for joining us, and I'll be by soon. I want to get a new hat from your uh, B history collection. You betcha. Thanks, you guys. Appreciate it. I want to read this text from Brian uh, because uh, Brian sent us a text in response to the other Candace Bergen story we're running on a Calgary woman who's getting attention because she shares the same name as the new interim leader of the Conservative Party of Canada. Brian says, same name as a politician? Try this. A buddy of mine has the same name as a wanted felon. Oh, no. After being detained by the border guards for the third time, he found out why the guard gave him a card saying he's not the guy they're looking for. Uh, So he was thankful for that, finally, because he was getting tired of looking down the business end of a Glock. Oh, Oh, you get a T-shirt or something? I'm not the guy you're looking for? (laughs) That would be horrible. You go to the border and they pull pull their guns on you just because you have the same name. Uh, so anyway, Brian, that's a great story. Thank you for sharing that. And uh, we're getting all kinds of great stories as well on stuff you get excited about getting in the mail, Greg. Yeah, Les said, for me, it was a World Wildlife Funds, Ranger Rick magazines, and of course, the Sears Wish book uh, to come so you could spend hours circling stuff with your color pen. And yes, Ranger Rick magazine, I confirmed with Les that he is of the same vintage as I am. Uh, and uh, Mr. Muggs was a big part of elementary school learning for less. And uh, another texture said back before YouTube, if you wanted to watch a live performance of a lesser known band, you had to order a bootleg. Often I would send a complete stranger $20 cash in the mail and then hope that something would arrive back in the mail two to three months later. They didn't always arrive. But when they did, those VHS tapes wouldn't leave my VCR for months on end. And we went back and forth. And And he says it's about mostly lesser known bands, in particular uh, punk genre, and uh, taken from the back of a, a very dimly lit room. So uh, thanks for that walk back and, and that incredible picture from one of our listeners at 780-6868. That's a crazy walk back when you think about bootlegging in general, like the idea that somebody was in the back of a room with a camcorder or whatever it was, like a Betamax and recording a concert or a movie, and now you just everybody has their phone out recording all sorts of things. That's hilarious. And that's kind of the basis of the Pam and Tommy show on Disney+, Plus, mm-hmm. how they made copies upon copies of their infamous sex tape, and they you would order it online, and they would send you a VHS tape. Uh, that's a great show, by the way, on Disney+, Plus. by the way, in case you have not checked it out yet. Um, so we're going to give away those Foo Fighters tickets in our next segment based on your text on the stuff you get excited about getting in the mail last chance to get in but uh, we want to talk more uh, not so much about the game Loren but those who can now go to the game yeah, so, you know, restrictions eased again this week and things are slowly changing. So Winnipeg Jets are back at full capacity. But will we see a full house for tonight's game against the Minnesota Wild? That was the question to Christina Litz, who's the chief brand and commercial officer for True North Sports and Entertainment. 
We're expecting almost a full house with the return to 100% capacity tonight. I mean, if you're looking for some last minute tickets, there are some available in the upper bowl. But look, everybody's really excited about this game, this rivalry and sharing the moment with all of the fans around you. I think that that's fair that people are looking forward to even just seeing, like if you're not going to the game, I am so looking forward to just seeing like a bigger crowd. It just has been so, it's like I'm watching an Arizona game when I watch Jets now because they never have fans in the stands or Florida and I'm, whatever, we can go down that road another time. But I'm looking forward to just seeing people there and, and looking happy. And I, you can bet, you know, Christina was also asked just about the idea of, you know, the hit to the bottom line when it comes to not having fans in the stands. Well, it's not just, True North, there's all sorts of businesses and restaurants that have opened up in the last 10 years in hopes of cashing in on having fans downtown, and and now they're coming back. Yeah, I mean, it's been tough. Uh, You know, obviously, uh, we really rely on having a full house of having fans in the stands. That is uh, one of the primary ways in which we generate revenue. But look, it's not just us. Uh, When we're not able to have fans at Canada Life Centre, this has economic impacts on all of the downtown. So we're just so grateful that Manitobans have done their part to get us back to where we can finally bring people back downtown and not only uh, benefit, um, you know, True North and and the Winnipeg Jets and Canada Life Centre, but all of our business partners around us in the downtown port. You know, the salary cap gives cost certainty to National Hockey League teams, and that allowed Winnipeg to enter the conversation back in the mid-2000s, and then, of course, eventually getting the team back in 2011. But the other side of that coin was assured revenues, and that's why that drive to 13000 when the return of the NHL was announced was so critical, because True North needed to know, needed a guaranteed level of, of support and income money coming in in order to commit to keeping this team here long term, let alone just moving it here. So uh, those numbers have only gone up. The demand for revenue and the and the strain with regard to salary cap has only gone up. Eighty one million U.S. dollars is the, when a NHL salary cap and the Jets are within hundreds of thousands of dollars of that, sometimes less than a hundred thousand, depending on the day. So they need those guaranteed revenues. And I'm going to the game. We got an invite to go to the game Saturday afternoon. And of course now dinner reservations are being made and the whole idea of getting back into the arena and getting back into the swing of things is, is, is very exciting, not only for us, but of course for true North and all the businesses that have been as you say, Loren, been created over the years and open because of of that facility and the NHL. I think of that marketplace that's opened up, right? I haven't even been down there because I haven't been to a game. Oh, Hargrave Market, yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah, I know, wonderful. and I've heard so much about it, but you're, you know, it's, you often are in the mindset, Brett, that you have to have an excuse to go downtown, you know, and a reason rather than just going for the restaurants are just going for those things. And so the Jets game always provided me the opportunity to try different places to go because you're making that trip to include a bit more than just the game. And so I'm a, that, that for me is an impetus to get out there and see what I've missed and what's popped up in the last little while. 
What do you get excited to get in the mail? Is it something that's ongoing or maybe something from when you were a kid? Uh, because it's inspired by the fact that I was excited to check my mail yesterday to see if I got my MPI rebate check. And there it was. Um, so I was a happy Happy guy. And uh, we've got Foo Fighters tickets to give away. As always, we'll go through a couple of runners up here. Like, for example, this one made us chuckle. Listener says, my birthday card from mom. Since I was 10, I get money for my age. This year, I can't wait for my 48 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> like what a happened dollar there? per year? I guess so, hey? Is yeah, I used to a get a dollar per year from my Grammy. But then at 25, it just stopped. It just stayed at 25. <laughs> I don't know what happened. Um, so Greg, why don't you take Taylor's next? Sure. Uh, what I used to love seeing in the mail as a kid was that inch thick Sears catalog, lots of text messages on this. I would find it in the mail pile at my grandpa's, uh, house or at my home. I would sit there for so long looking through all the expensive adult things that I really never understood why adults wanted to buy expensive towels. And then there were pages and pages of toys. I would circle all the toys I wanted for Christmas in the hopes my family would see all the cool toys I circled. Now I no longer live with the family and there's no Sears catalog. There is a Canadian Tire one, though. I feel nostalgic, nostalgic, pardon me, flipping through and circling all the tools slash toys on my wish list. I bug my boyfriend to look through it at, at my selections because I am the handy woman of the house and I need tools to do the jobs he or he clearly cannot match. Right on, Taylor. The Sears catalog. That's a good one, too. Um, Loren, do you see this one from... Well, I'll tell you what. You read the winning text, because I think we'll only have time for a couple more of these. Uh, but Richard said, When I was eight, my grandparents got me a membership in the Winnipeg Jets Kids Club as a Christmas gift. I was over-the-top shocked that I was getting mail from the Winnipeg Jets. On top of that, I had a signed letter and membership card from Benny himself. And that letter got framed and hung up on my wall. Looking back on it, you would have thought my grandparents gave me the Ark of the Covenant <laughs> with how proudly I held okay. it and displayed my mail from yes. Benny and the Jets. Uh, but Kellyanne, Loren is our winner. Yeah, and I just love this one because it is so relatable to many of us, but also that they've kept this tradition going. So Kellyanne says, I grew up in an era when pen pals were a thing. As a bullied and nerdy teenager, it was a window into a world that was much larger than the small one I lived in. I had a view of New Zealand, Singapore, Spain, USSR, a couple of places in the US and Canada, and it helped me move out of myself for a time. Now, being in several small and private Facebook groups, I get the same feeling and also get warm fuzzies with Christmas and birthday cards. I like it. That's like amazing. That, that was a thing that kept her going. That's fantastic. And I love it. See, just seeing the letters USSR, I've, I have not, like, when's the last time you talked about that part of the world in that context? So that's fantastic, Kelly. And congratulations, Foo Fighters tickets for you. We are very excited about this next segment because about 25 hours ago here on The Start, we made this exciting concert announcement. Randy Bachman, the greatest stories ever told, April 28th and 29th, Club Region Event Center. The pre-sale is today. The password is vinyl. The general on sale this Friday, February 18th. We do have tickets to give away. Yeah, so why wait until Friday when you can get them today at 10 o'clock? Password vinyl. And we also told you that Randy Bachman's popular radio show, 
Vinyl Tap is making a move to 12 chorus radio stations across Canada beginning March 6th, including Power 97 right here in Winnipeg. Our next guest has written or has helped write some of the most recognizable and popular songs in the history of rock and roll. He is an extraordinary storyteller. He is, of course, Winnipeg's own Randy Backman. Welcome to CJOB, Randy. Hey, thank you, and it's great to be on the OB. Well, listen, we often introduce our, our guests who were born in Winnipeg and live elsewhere as Winnipegers living fill-in-the-blank. In your case, British Columbia. Would that be accurate? Yeah, I'm in Victoria. Yeah, are you good with that description as a Winnipegger living in Victoria? I sure, of course. But <laughs> I gotta tell you, I just heard your weather with this minus forty. Wow, with the wind chill. Wow. You're pretty happy to be. Yeah, you're happy to be where you are right now this morning. I'm guessing. Yeah, it's forty-five above here. Okay, all right, that's fine. Uh, you don't need to rub it in. L- listen, uh, I want to ask you this, Randy. So much of your music and the stories associated with the origins of those songs are so indelibly tied to Winnipeg. Take us back in time, if you would, and talk about the music scene in Winnipeg, the community club dances, and the incredible amount of live music available when you began performing. Well, Winnipeg was quite amazing from about 61 on, which is when I became very aware of it. There were three radio stations, and they all played a different type of rock and roll. Some were a little bit more country, some were more pop, uh, but they all had DJs. I mean, every station had a DJ who adopted a band. And I remember at CGOB, Doc Steen was your program director. He had a great show. He adopted a band. And by that, I mean, he would play their records. I mean, they would, they would make records with the band. They would come out to uh, sock hops and, and high schools and DJ like Dick Clark and play records. And then the band would play. And it created an amazing scene. There was over bands in Winnipeg in the 60s all working at community centers and high schools and everywhere and it was just really amazing uh, because of the radio stations and then we also had a lot of music coming over from England because of I guess the people that lived there and it, it affected me greatly Burton Cummings, Neil Young, Fred Turner and the four of us are still going to this day in the music business decades later from those planting those roots in Winnipeg in the 60s. It was amazing. It's such an incredible time. And when I think about the absence of music and live concerts in the past two years, Randy, this the, the thing that we've been missing, the energy that you can pull from, whether it be 20, 30,000 fans or 100 fans, I mean, when you're going to the, these kinds of spaces and these clubs, were you running into people that you knew over and over again? Was that part of it because the fans could follow you from place to place? Yes, a lot of fans, uh, for example, um, would come to uh, Molson's Amphitheater uh, in Toronto, the big outdoor thing, and they would come backstage, and they would get backstage because the password is, I'm from Winnipeg, so I would go and talk to them, and I always say which part, and if they don't know which part, then they're just making it up, but if they say... St. Boniface or Transcona or West Covona or something, they get backstage and I go and talk to them. And then they show me tickets and pictures or posters from when they saw me two years ago and five years ago and 10 years ago and when I was 18 and they were like 18. And they bring all these memories and sometimes they give them to me, which is great. But now with cameras, I can take pictures of them and bring them back to me because there's so many memories out there, and that's what my radio show is about. It's just about talking about 
memories. And I haven't done a gig now for like three years, and we're starting in Winnipeg in April at the at uh, two shows there. And it's the every song tells a story, and it's me telling the stories. And what's amazing is my guitar that I bought in Winnipeg at Winnipeg Piano right there on Portage Avenue, which is my Gretsch guitar that I wrote and played. These eyes laughing, she's come undone, no time, no sugar, let it ride, taking care of business. And every single song was written and played on that guitar. It was stolen in 1976 from Holiday Inn in Toronto. And we just found it last year in Tokyo. And I've, uh, the, the guy in Tokyo, his name is Takeshi, has said he would give it back to me, but I must find a duplicate. So I went and found his sister that was made in the same week in 1967. I'm sorry, 1957. And I'm going to go back and trade it to him. But I'm bringing this guitar to Winnipeg to tell the story of this is where I bought this guitar at Winnipeg Piano right there on Portage Avenue. And it was stolen. And how it wrote all the hit songs. My son Tal is with me now, and he's going to tell the story of how for, for 45, 50 years, every time the phone would ring, I would jump up at the dinner table and say, oh, it's somebody that found my guitar. And then suddenly it was found because of COVID. A guy who had nothing better to do just was scanning the internet and found this guitar in Japan. And so the story is like going to continue in Winnipeg. And then we're going in May to uh, Tokyo to actually trade the guitar I got to substitute to trade Takeshi and get mine back. And there'll be a very moving moment when I get my guitar back after 50 years. I'm sure I'll be in tears. And the whole thing's being filmed for a Netflix uh, document, documentary. And so the story of the Gretsch guitar, like I said, starting in Winnipeg is great. So the story will be come alive that night for sure. Wow. Wow. They, they, the show is called The Greatest Stories Ever Told. And uh, that's a... That title is apropos after that amazing tale. I can't believe that. Um, but your concerts, April 28th and 29th, you mentioned your son, Tal, uh, is going to be there as well. That's got to be pretty special to have your son with you. Yeah, is. he was born in Winnipeg, and uh, he wrote his hit song there, She's So High. And uh, to have him in my band is really quite incredible. And uh, you'll see there's a lot of visuals when I tell these stories. He, he's two years old when I bought that Gretsch guitar. Uh, and so you see him sitting on the floor, and I'm there playing the Gretsch guitar. Uh, but it's really great to have him in the band because, um, well, he looks I'm 25 years older than him. He, you can see me 25 years ago when you see him. And we've been doing um, a, a live YouTubes every Friday for, since COVID shut, shut everything down. So people are very familiar seeing me and him on stage together. It's a lot of fun. The Vinyl Tap program, Randy, that ran for a very long time elsewhere. The stories that you told there, a big fan, a big, big fan of that show. The history of the music you love is clearly a big part of who you are as a as a music fan. Are, are, are you essentially a rock historian to a certain extent? Well, just by... Just by being there and living through it all, um, you know, when 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 I was first in my first band was like early '60s in Winnipeg, and and a show would come to town. Well, we were we were kind of the best band in town. We would get to open that show. So if the show was at the Winnipeg Auditorium or even at the arena or wherever, we would be opening the show for Manfred Mann, Peter and Gordon, um, you know, Jerry and the Pacemakers. Uh, Johnny and the Hurricanes, whoever came to town. So I, you, obviously you meet these guys, you hang out with them. 
their guys are on the road. They're hungry. You invite them to your house for dinner. It's not a big deal. They're just a guy in a band. Then they all become famous. And now I could tell these stories. I mean, I remember in Winnipeg, there was a weekend there that Gene Vincent played. If you know Gene Vincent, as Gene Vincent and the Blue Caps. And it was a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And I went to the show uh, on a Friday, and there was hardly anybody there. And so I, I stayed after and talked to Gene Vincent and the guys. And he said, why isn't anybody here? We have three songs in the top ten. And I said, you don't understand. This whole town is shut down. It's Good Friday, Easter Saturday, and Easter Sunday. It's either Passover or Easter if you're Jewish or Catholic or whatever. Nobody's going to come here. And he said, oh, let's cancel our shows. And I said, do you want to come to my house for Easter dinner? And he said, sure. So he came to my house for Easter dinner in West Gildonan. So these are the stories, things that happened in Winnipeg in the old days. And I love to tell these stories because nobody else knows them. You're having a ride on my tour bus or a backstage pass when, when I tell these stories. Well, wow, that's incredible. I have to. You said there's no pressure. They were just guys that you played with or you knew, so you'd have them over for supper. So what would you make them for supper? Well, it was Easter. My mother had made a ham, and she's Ukrainian, so she made pierogies ah. and olive tree and stuff. And uh, Gene Vincent said he would only come if he came on my friend's motorcycle, <laughs> but he had a brace on his leg. He'd broken his leg earlier in a motorcycle accident. The whole band was saying, don't get on the motorcycle, don't get on the motorcycle, but he did get on it. He rode to my house, and it was pretty incredible. That was in West Kildonan on Seven Oaks Avenue. Wow. Hey, Randy, really quick, if I might, uh, my dad pointed something out to me the other day, your IMDB and the massive list of movies and TV shows, your music has been used in. It's, it's mind blowing beyond impressive to me. That sort of shows your music has had that ability to set that mood, convey that message beyond the dialogue on the screen in the movie on the TV show. Do you take stock of the impact your music has had on so many people? You do after a while because you kind of get immune to it. But I remember taking my kids to see uh, A Knight's Tale, and I didn't even know my song was in it. I was sitting there, and it's A Knight's Tale with Heath Ledger, right? The, huh. And suddenly Taking Care of Business comes on. And I went up to the lobby and phoned my publisher and said, why didn't you tell me my song was in this movie? I mean, I was sitting there totally stunned. So sometimes it appears and I don't even know about it. But, but, but when I, even when it's on TV now, I look at it and go, well, millions of people are watching this and my song is in there. And it's pretty amazing. And American Woman's in a lot. And so is, so is Taking Care of Business. And certain songs just keep reappearing and reoccurring. And it's pretty amazing because if I was a carpenter and made a door, I would sell that door once. And every time it got reused, nobody would even call me. But when you write a song and it keeps getting reused, you get a few pennies here and there, and you end up eking out a living, basically. Well, Randy Backman, this has been a real treat, a real privilege. Thank you so much for joining us today. And uh, looking forward to the shows in April. Thank you. I want to invite everybody out to the shows. And on Sunday night, get into Vinyl Tap. The rock keeps rolling. It's a rock and roll time machine travel, and we're going through decades of rock and roll. 
Randy Backman joining us live on 680 CJOB. The show, Vinyl Tap, starts on March 6th on Power 97 and on chorus radio stations across Canada. And the concert, April 28th and 29th, The Greatest Stories Ever Told. And as mentioned, we have tickets to give away, and we're actually going to award today's tickets to Rosanna, who had an entry into our contest on stuff you like getting in the mail and uh, it kind of ties in nicely here Loren because she tells one of a great story on her own do you see it here yes great story it's all about storytelling Rosanna says I lived in a tiny interlake town called Marquette when I was a kid at the age of 10 my family moved to Winnipeg well back then days before social media when you moved away that was it you never saw your friends again But my best friend Judy and I started writing letters to each other. We wrote back and forth without fail for 20 years. Her letters always had written on the envelope, Postman, postman, go real quick. Get this letter to Rosanna Schick. (laughs) And mine always said, Postman, postman, go like fire. Get this letter to Judy Meyer. (laughs) To this very day, we both still have every one of those letters. And guess what? When I grew up, I became a writer and Judy became a postman. Postperson, I guess. Mail carrier. Ah, <laughs> oh, Rosanna, that's wonderful. So you're going to see Randy Backman. Hey, thanks for listening to the Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think. And hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.